This is Talk Is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Frontiersman Gear. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Frontiersman Gear, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Well, good morning, Paul. Welcome to Talk is Sheep. And uh, you, are you calling in from Hamilton? Where's Where are you calling from today? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, I'm here at the office, uh, at the office here in Hamilton, Montana. Awesome. So, uh, Paul, you're the uh, owner and the and the the, the chief uh, chief bottle washer for Snowy Mountain Rifles, and uh, you guys have a great product. I've uh, been following you guys for a number of years now, and just really excited about what you're doing. So, um, maybe if you don't mind. Paul, let's just kind of set the stage about who you are and, and sort of how you got involved with uh, Snowy Mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate you having me on today. And um, yeah, so you know, a little background on myself and, and Snowy Mountain. We've been building rifles since 2009. Um, I worked for the company uh, before I had any ownership from, I guess, probably 2012, 2013-ish. I uh, worked there for three or four years. Uh, it was actually why I was in while I was in school going to college, um, you know, we used to be in Missoula, Montana, and that's where I went to school, uh, college anyway. And so I worked for the company um, back there uh, in that time. That's kind of how I got to know the previous ownership, got to know the product. Obviously, you know, I grew up hunting and fishing and shooting and, and you know, being an outdoorsman, but that's where I really got, got in depth in the custom rifle world and started learning learning this industry. And then after I got out of school, I kind of stayed on with Snowy Mountain is outside sales and, you know, just helped with, with what was needed and, and loved the product and the brand and, and the current current ownership and management and all the guys at, at Snowy Mountain were just great. So stayed on with them and just kind of helped where I could. And uh, then I got a call from the owner, oh, here about seven years ago now, and he had the desire to sell the company. He was uh, retiring and, and had a couple successful businesses he was uh, going to sell. And and go enjoy retirement. So I was lucky enough to be able to make the purchase of the of the rifle company. It's Snowy Mountain Rifles happened, and and I've owned it now for going on seven years. Well, congratulations! The old adage, I loved it so much, I bought the company. Hey, eh? that's uh, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. So, you know, the, we've kind of seen this explosion in this custom rifle, or certainly precision rifle market, and you know, I guess in my experience, it, historically, it was kind of relegated to to sports shooters in the past but we've seen such a change in the i guess the outdoor space and you know that we, we see a lot, a lot of long-range shooters in in the hunt space now um talk a little bit about that evolution and, and i guess your customer basis snowy mountain always been exclusively or, or predominantly a hunter-based uh clientele or is it kind of a mix talk a little bit about that for us paul yeah so uh, snowy mountain rifles actually started more on the you know precision competition side of things um you know not not so much oriented on the lightweight guns and uh hunting side of things and we kind of made that evolution crossed over uh into the hunting market more um you know in in, in this industry as you mentioned is, is changed and growing so much you know it really started you know people have been you know changing barrels and you know tinkering with guns since guns have been a thing to get them more accurate but you know, up until 15, you know, maybe 20 years ago, there was only so many options of what to work with. And, and most of what you had to work with was your factory offerings. You know, you didn't have 
as many readily available high-end barrels and, and custom actions and, you know, even bottom metals and muzzle brakes and, and all these parts that exist now for guys to, you know, be able to buy their own stuff or have a lot of great options on the market and, and either build, you know, a, a new higher-end custom rifle and or do kind of their own work or, or send into a gunsmithing work to improve their own rifle. So the evolution of this long-range shooting uh, the custom rifles, you know, is, is really growing tremendously starting about, you know, probably 18 years ago. And you've really seen it in the last 10 to 12 years, just, just really take off. So, you know, we kind of started, started on that side of things, migrated mostly to the hunting market. And over the last two or three years, we've, we've really kind of split and, and added a larger division and a larger parts offering back to the competition side of things, but also you've seen that competition market get so huge in the last five to eight years. You know, it was always there, but the NRL hunter matches, the PRS matches, you know, those two styles of matches that exist, you know, mostly for us down here in, in the, in the U S but you know, that competition market is growing tremendously. And, you know, the number of hunters who have now crossed over and are shooting these, these matches is the numbers are growing every day and it's a great thing. It, it makes you a great shooter. You know, if you're going to get into this long range stuff, especially if you're going to hunt and shoot animals at any sort of distance, obviously having the ability to make uh, ethical shots is a big thing. So um, yeah, that's somewhat the evolution of snowy mountain, you know, and, and we're really big supporters of obviously the hunting side of things, but we've, we've really, really uh, branched out our, our parts and our rifle offerings and, and what we're doing in this competition market now as well. Very cool. And I guess, you know, the current climate with, uh, you know, firearms and stuff, you, you, it's almost impossible at times to get firearms, you know, uh, certainly in North America. Uh, so the timing's been fantastic for you guys as a company. There's just been this huge explosion. Um, how have you guys, are you guys sitting in pretty good shape in terms of inventory and getting material and that sort of stuff? And, and what are lead times for you? If somebody was to order a custom rifle off you guys, what are they looking for lead times? Yeah. So, you know, one of our, one of our, I guess, you know, standard offerings, you're looking at about three to five months right now. We worked, you know, we were three years ago, we were probably all the way up to 12 to 16 months out on rifles. And, and, you know, it's great to be busy, but you get to a point where it's, it's hard to keep adding backlog and uh, maintaining the growth of new customers because a lot of people don't want to wait that long, which is very understandable. Um, so we've worked really hard over the last two years. Well, and then, you know, at the same time, we had the same problem that everybody else experienced. Obviously, we had our, our COVID, COVID couple of years, and that really hurt everybody on uh, supply chain, uh, being able to get raw materials for manufacturing, you know, specifically in the rifle world, components got really hard, uh, reloading components specifically. So we kind of had that combination of already being really behind and then, you know, having all that stuff hit us. And we struggled through that for a couple of years, but we've really focused the last year and a half on uh, getting our efficiencies up. We've added some great new employees to our team over here who have really helped us in the last year and a half. Um, and then, you know, I know we're going to talk about this, but we've got our new proprietary, what we call our bear chambering system, which which we spent almost the last year developing and working on and, and now been chambering that way for about the last six months. And it's it's really got us, helped us get us caught up and it's done nothing but improved our our quality of, of what we are seeing for our rifles um, already. So 
that's been a big step for us. And yeah, we've been able to work really hard and get our lead times down to about three to five months. And we're even having some stuff come in stock and getting some guns out the door within one or two months, depending on caliber and, and finish choice and all the options you have with us here. So yeah, lead times were a struggle for us for a long time, but we've been able to really manage that and get it down. And, and we're excited to be able to to grow having those much better lead times now. Very cool. So uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, Paul, is you guys are out of Hamilton there in Montana and um, that Bitterroot Valley area. And that's kind of, a, I guess, a hotbed for custom rifle makers. And uh, there's, I know there's a, a number of people operating out of there. Is it kind of like the Silicon Valley for, um, you know, for the electronics industry or, you know, it just happened to, to be that way? Uh, you know, does it sort of attract that sort of talent where you have a bunch of people that are, you know, you guys are all kind of, you know, doing your own thing, but also support one another and, and that sort of thing. Just curious about, you know, just coincidence or, or how does that work? Yeah, you know, I mean, it is it is a hotbed for uh, rifle manufacturers and just uh, uh rifle parts manufacturers as well so you know we have we have us here in hamilton uh proof research is just up the road in, in kalispell and um you know they make a great product we use a lot of their carbon barrels and defiance is right there just outside of kalispell as well um you know long time action maker and in some ways uh you know really helped jump start this this uh higher end custom action world as well so and we work closely with them and and not only right where we're at but across montana and in Idaho and Wyoming as well, you know, you just had Weatherby's big move uh, into Wyoming. And a lot of these gun companies and, and parts manufacturing companies are finding a home here in the Northwest where, you know, honestly, you know, we're, we're gun friendly, we're manufacturing friendly, you know, and we're, we're business friendly as far as taxes. And, and a lot of these companies, you know, either started here, which, uh, you know, just kind of a hotbed for that product, you know, just, just kind of who we are here, I guess, in the Northwest for lack of better ways to put it. And some of the companies who didn't start here are migrating here for, you know, uh, friendly, friendly business states and friendly firearms manufacturing laws. Yeah. Right on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the gun parts, uh, side of things. So, you know, we've seen this massive explosion. We just touched on that about in the, in the hunting industry and, and the precision side and just so many options now. And, um, you know, there's just, a plethora of opportunity you can just kind of get anything you want uh, you know what's driving this is it is it gun manufacturers is it the parts manufacturers is it uh, the internet just you know kind of what's driving because i think back 25 30 years ago you know you go to a, a, a hunting store and you had kind of three options and now there's just no limit to to what you can pick up for uh, you know firearms calibers just anything out there so let's just talk a little bit about what you've seen in the industry since you've been around paul yeah i mean i i think you know like i said i mean since the you know the, the beginning of firearms everybody has wanted to be able to shoot more accurate shoot farther you know uh even you know that you know talk about the flintlocks and the evolution of rifled barrels i mean the whole point of that was to get more accurate right and in, in that uh, you know, so I think starting with just, you know, th that simple concept of the consumer wants more accuracy, the manufacturer wants to be able to offer more accuracy and a better product. And, you know, and so you, like you said that, that, you know, kind of somewhat, I'll call it, you know, generic offerings, it might not be the right way to put it, but you know, that, that we all had, you know, in my younger years growing up and what I started shooting 
you know, when I was five, 10, 15 years old and, and now this revolution of the industry and, and you're seeing all these parts manufacturers. And I, I, I think the, the rifle manufacturers drove the parts manufacturers first. So, I mean, you had a very small amount of parts manufacturers building these higher end actions or nicer bottom metals, you know, carbon lightweight stocks and in a sense, you know, it, it allows guys to, to jump into this a little bit and, and put guns together because they had these great parts available to them. So we had a lot of guys that wanted to start manufacturing accurate rifles. So uh, in a sense, that market, you know, got a little flooded and then we needed more parts. So, um, you know, there was companies, whether they were already an existing rifle company or just a company that wanted to jump in and, you know, start manufacturing actions or bottom metals or muzzle brakes. And, and so we've, we've seen a lot of competition come into that sector of just uh, parts manufacturers. And so, you know, one's really field the other, you know, maybe a company comes out with a new action and, you know, a lot of the rifle builders want to start using that action. Well, then the other action manufacturing companies has to compete with that. I mean, it's the same in any, any, you know, any industry um, evolution of, of the product drives growth. And, and I really enjoy it because everybody benefits from better parts. We can build better rifles. We can build rifles that are more, uh, you know, whatever your orientation wants to be, whether it's a competition gun, a super lightweight hunting gun, you know, everybody's, everybody's kind of in this arms race, if you will, to come out with new parts for rifle manufacturers. And, and honestly, the, the more these parts, um, you know, evolutionize in the direction this industry is going is it's making guns a lot easier to, to put together. So like we've invested in it really heavily is our, is our pre-fit barrel market. And so that's the biggest thing with any accurate rifle is quality of barrel and chamber work, you know, metal cutting work to the barrel on the chamber end and on the muzzle end that that is where most of your accuracy is going to come from. Yeah rigidity in the action, rigidity in the stock. Um, how smooth does the action run? That's a feeding concept. You know, there's lots of different things to talk about in accuracy of rifles and how to manufacture and or assemble a great rifle. But still, to me, your number one component is barrel quality and metal work that's being done to the barrel. So again, we've invested really heavily in these pre-fit barrels and all of our parts that somewhat once you have all those parts in your hands, you know, you can order, you can order an action from defiance machine. You can order a prefit barrel from me for that fits that action. You can order a bottom metal, a self-timing muzzle brake, you know, a stock from whoever you choose to, and maybe, you know, AG composite manners, uh, somebody like that. And again, for lack of better ways to put this, they almost become like Lego pieces. So, you know, you can order all those parts, which, which is a really fun industry that that we're also the side of the industry that we're getting into is, you know, helping guys really being able to do different things with building their own rifles. You know, there's kind of, there's kind of our two different customers, the guy who, who wants the full rifle, the full package, you know, he's not interested in that or just doesn't have time for that. You know, he wants the whole thing done and out the door hundred percent ready for him to grab and shoot out to distance. And then you have the other side of the guy, you know, or, or the, the shooter that, that wants to maybe swap his barrel out and make his gun different calibers and, you know, just, just almost play with parts and have fun kind of designing his own rifle a little bit. And a lot of the evolution of these parts and, and parts manufacturers have really concentrated on, 
making them a plug and play part where you can switch barrels out on actions. You can switch bottom metals out, you know, different magazines. So that's really a fun side of the industry that, that we're designing a lot of our parts around right now is to help almost to do it yourself guy, be able to, uh, you know, build rifles almost and, and in a way, not so much build rifles, but change his parts out and change his rifle. So on that note, Paul, do you, you know, this is a big part of your business right now that you're talking about. Is it a flash in the pan? Is this something that you see, you know, 20 years from now, a lot of people doing that they're like, oh, they want that flexibility to be able to swap it out. Or do you think it's, you know, where, where do you think the industry is heading with that? Obviously it's hot right now, but uh, you know, we see things come and go over time. And, and do you think this is here to you stay? I do. I think it's always hard to tell. Um, it's hot right now, but I mean, even I enjoy it. You know, I come in in the morning and I've got my competition gun sitting there and, you know, we want to test out a new bullet with a different caliber, or maybe we're chambering a new reamer that's got a different free bore, you know, that we're targeting towards, you know, maybe the six Creedmoor crowd or six Dasher crowd or whatever, whatever that caliber may be for the competition shooter. And I'll walk in the shop in the morning, I'll grab a new barrel that we chambered, I'll spin it on that action, headspace it, torque it down. And in five minutes, I'm walking out the door to go shoot same rifle with a different barrel now being a totally different caliber. So I don't see it going anywhere. I, I really enjoy that. I enjoy designing the parts to fit that platform in the need um, for guys. And you know, I don't think it's a flash in the pan, to be honest with you. I think every day the rifle market, the bolt action rifle market moves closer and closer to the do-it-yourself guy, just putting all of his rifles together himself. Now, again, there's going to be a different customer, one guy who wants to learn all that and do all that because there's still a learning curve to it to do it correctly and the guy who doesn't, but I think the, the market's going to continue to go that way. And what we're seeing and how we're designing a lot of our parts is around uh, the shooter who wants to be the lightweight hunter and also wants to be the competition guy. So we're designing right now, we're designing weight kits for rifles that are going to attach to lightweight carbon stocks. You know, we're designing a new tenon system in an action right now. Um, they'd allow you to change your barrel out quicker, even with the, the guaranteed headspace uh, actions that are on the market right now, you can do that really easy. So what we're, what we're pushing our design to and what we're focusing on our design goals for our new parts is how do we make the guy, the shooter with the same rifle, be able to have a seven pound carbon hunting gun and then almost deconstruct that gun in some ways and put it back together and now have a 12 or a 16 or a 20 pound competition gun and be able to do it all on the same platform without having to go buy two or three different rifles. Very cool. So there's this evolution that you talked about now, this, this part that we just talked about. If you look over sort of the last three or four years, I got two questions that um, I'm curious about is, you know, what's kind of been the most revolutionary caliber in the last, call it five years, for example? You know, we've seen all these new calibers come out. And then also, you know, most revolutionary part or design that, in your opinion, in the last five years that kind of sticks out for you? You know, caliber wise, you know, if we're talking about the hunting world, the PRCs have completely taken over 657, you know, the new seven and 300, the PRCs have, have really taken over that market. And, um, you know, first and foremost, they're great calibers. They're, you know, Hornady designed those calibers and they did a really good job with them. 
Um, they're efficient. They burn powder really efficient. You know, they're designed for modern long range, you know, high BC boat tail bullets. Um, you know, they're not super harsh on barrel life. Um, they're, they're, they're a really well done caliber. So, you know, Hornady did a great job with it first and foremost. Number two, obviously, you know, Hornady's, Hornady's got the backing to uh, push those calibers and, and spend the money on marketing. So, you know, you've got that combination of a great, a great and well done and design on those calibers, you know, a company with the money who's pushing it correctly. And because of those two things, everybody started making great supporting components for them. You know, uh, really good brass started coming out for them. Lapua, Peterson, ADG, um, you know, good guys. You know, when I talk about accuracy with guys, I talk about supporting components for calibers as well. You know, it can be a, a great built rifle, but if you don't have good supporting components, you know, your ammo and, and, and building good ammo for a good gun is, is just as important as how good the gun is, you know, so those uh, supporting components, a good brass, um, obviously lots of good bullets on the market, good dies, things to make our, our ammo match our rifle um, it is really important there. So, you know, if we're going to talk about hunting calibers, the PRCs have, have really taken over um, on the competition side, you know, they, you get into the weeds a little bit more on the competition guys, they like to, you know, they're, they're the group of guys, it seems like a uh, you know, group of shooters that, that really like to uh, play with stuff and tweak stuff all the time. They're always coming up with wildcat calibers and, you know, we're kind of trying to keep up on the chamber end and, and what they're doing there. And, and so, you know, uh, six, six millimeters though, you know, the competition side of thing is, is that is dominated by six millimeters, uh, you know, some six fives, but you know, six Creed Morse, uh, six, five Creed Morse, six dashers, six BRs, six BRAs. Um, so that, that's kind of the competition side of things, which is fun. And uh, yeah, that, but, but really the biggest calibers in the last, you know, three to five years have been the PRCs. Right on. Um, now, when you look going forward, there's been this, I guess, explosion of, of different calibers, so many options out there. And even, you know, now you can even source the stuff, you know, you used to see, there used to be a lot of calibers, but you couldn't find any ammunition for them, you know, over the counter and that sort of thing. So, you see this continuing? Do you see this evolution, or is there is there a finite? You know, do you just run out of options at some point, or what does that look like moving forward? You know, uh, and sorry. So let, let me just make sure your, your question is: Does this evolution of calibers continue? Is that your question? Yeah, exactly. Yeah do we do we see this? You know, advent of all these new options, or is it you know are we kind of running out of new options to offer you know people? Well, it's interesting, you know, if you really take a deep dive into caliber design and, and what exists out there, um, you know, there's a, there's a thousand and, you know, 50, you know, probably 5,000, you know, a high number of, of wildcat, you know, quote unquote, wildcat cartridges that have always been created over the years, you know, uh, somebody taking the 300 wind mag and uh, necking it down, necking it up, you know, taking the, you know, the 308 and necking it down and changing the case slightly is what created the 6.5 Creedmoor. I mean, you look at a caliber list of what's out there and it's almost endless. So there's great calibers that have come and gone um, just over time and evolution. People get tired of them, want to try something new, come out with something better, you know, whatever that reason may be. So I don't, I think it's kind of like the parts revolution and, and any, any industry you know, that's a strong, successful industry. Growth is going to continue to be driven and, and evolutions are going to come out. I, I think people, and, and we talk about calibers, you can really get in the weeds on this. Like, you know, is the 7 PRC or the 300 PRC the greatest 30 caliber ever created out there? Probably not. It's a really good one, but there's been great calibers that have come and gone. 
I'm sure there'll be great calibers that come and try to compete with it. At the end of the day, is it is it a well-done caliber? Yes. Okay. Now, why is it going to get popular? So it's going to have to be well done, but then somebody's going to have to put the money behind it to make it popular. You know, I mean, I could go create a caliber pretty easily tomorrow that I thought was good, but why is anybody going to buy it? You know, they're going to look at it. And even if ballistically it's, it's great, um, there's no dies for it. There's no brass for it, you know? So it, it's a combination of a good caliber, but also I think those, like I mentioned before, those supporting components are really the driving factor to why I choose that caliber. Cause okay. Yeah. I can get ammunition over the counter for it. Okay. Yeah. If I'm a reloader, I can get great brass for it. I can get the proper bullet selection for it. There's great dies out there. You know, it has to have everything to work together to not only be a good caliber, but you know, to actually be able to get the stuff to shoot the caliber. So I'm sure this evolution was going to continue. New caliber is going to get designed. You know, we see them all the time, you know, and some are going to gain traction and all that's going to happen for it. And it's going to be around for the long run and some aren't. So, you know, I, I even, I see calibers pop up all the time that, that just never gain traction for a, you know, a magnitude of different reasons. So, yeah, I don't think it, you know, whether it's a caliber, new caliber design, a new action design, you know, a, a new revolution in, you know, maybe carbon or, or something like that for barrels, you know, this industry is, is, is pushing really hard right now. To make things lighter, better, more modular, you know, all that stuff, which, which is really fun. So yeah, things are going to always come and go and, and there's going to be reasons they're going to stick around or not stick around, whether, whether they're a great design and idea or not. Right on. Okay. Let's jump a little bit to the uh, snowy mountain rifle lineup. Um, there's a few things that you mentioned already and you talked about uh, the bear cham- chambering system. Tell us about that and what's involved with that, Paul. Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, we've, we've worked real hard for the last year on this new bear chambering system. And, uh, you know, we came up with bear. It's just a, it's an acronym for barrel examination axis review. So, you know, that's kind of a kind of an easy way to put what it takes to indicate a barrel in. And, and so the indication of a barrel is simply uh, doing the math from roughly the free bore area of the cartridge to the back of the barrel. Um, and you're going in and you're, you're finding center point at the free bore area. You're finding center point at the back of the cartridge. And then when they, when, when barrel manufacturers make these barrels and say they're, say they're making a 30 cal barrel, you know, they got to run a, a tiny little 308 uh, millimeter drill through a 30 inch piece of steel. That, very small, flexible drill is, is not going to drill straight through the center of that barrel for 30 inches. It's going to walk, it's going to wander inside of there. So if you were to take a barrel and cut it in a bunch of sections, you would visually be able to see that in certain areas, the bore, the, the hole drilled through the barrel is farther to one side than the other. And that's going to go back and forth in there. That drill is going to move and wander. So when we chamber a barrel, when I mentioned earlier that the most important work to me on a gun is the chamber work, you need to go inside of that barrel and you need to find that front point, find that back point, and then you need to do the math. Uh, you, know, you know, you need a trigonometry program to figure out what the angle is to drill your reamer, um, cut your reamer to the center line of that bore on that correct angle. So it's kind of a weird thing to describe, 
um, if that makes sense to everybody. But basically what you're looking for is when you run your reamer in there and you cut that caliber into that barrel where you're cutting ends and basically where that bullet is now going to leave the case and enter the grooves and the lands of the barrel and go down the, that barrel, if that math is correct, then that portion gets cut completely square to that angle by the reamer. So that being completely square right there is super important to accuracy. And so what you see in this industry is most, you know, small to medium sized custom rifle shops or, you know, every, every town has a gunsmith or two, you know, that'll chamber barrels and, and build rifles in your town. And, uh, most of those chamberings are done on manual machines. Uh, they're done by hand. So that indication process, although fairly complicated to learn, it can be learned and, and be done, um, by a person, right? So you got that barrel, you chuck it up in the lathe, you know, there's several ways you go inside that barrel with an indicator, you figure out that math, you do the math equation, then you know what angle to set, set your cutting reamer at to put that chamber in there. Where that process gets extremely difficult is, is when, and this is where we were at when we were 14 to 16 months behind on rifles, is we simply just could not chamber barrels fast enough, any faster than we currently were to catch up. You know, we had three full-time gunsmiths that were good at this who were chambering all day long. So it was hard, you know, we, we had to kind of step back and figure out a different path of growth if we were going to be able to offer our customers better lead times. But it's really hard to take that indication process and, and uh, uh, make it not a manual process where somebody has to stand there and do it. It's really hard to automate that process or make a machine do it because you have to go inside, you got to measure the barrel, you got to do the math. It's extremely, extremely hard to automate. And in my knowledge of this industry, there's, there's nobody out there that's been able to figure out, figure out how to automate that yet. And so both me and, and our head, uh, our head design engineer and programmer Levi here uh, kind of had this idea of how we thought we could do that. So without dragging this out too much on this explanation, you know, our, the path of growth for us was, was we had to figure out how to get barrels done faster without losing quality. So to do that, we had to create some sort of automated system to help us with this indication. So, you know, we spent about six months writing a program for a machine we thought we could configure it to do this correctly. Um, once we got that program written, we took it to a, a company called Akuma, a really high-end CNC manufacturer out of Japan. Their U.S. headquarters is in North Carolina. Um, they took a look at it, said, yeah, we can, we can do this with this machine. They spent a couple months fine-tuning the program to that, that specific machine. We flew down to North Carolina I uh, went and test cut a bunch of barrels, brought them home, shot them. You know, they look great coming off the machine. And it was like, you know, kind of at that point, it was like, yeah, okay, this is going to work. You know, ordered the machine, took a couple months to get here, get it on the floor, get it set up, fine tune the program. And and now we've been we've been sending barrels off of that thing for about six months now. And, and the results have, have just been fantastic. It, it really actually increased our um, our quality. And also it helped us almost tenfold our production. So it's got us really caught up. It's been able, it's allowed us to really invest in this pre-fit market, you know, and, and we guarantee this, this bear, this barrel examination access review system 
that, that we've coined it to be the, the most accurate chambers that exist on the market. And we can also do it faster than anybody else on the market. So it's been a huge project for us, but it, it's really given us some, some amazing results. What's the feedback on the market? What are we hearing from uh, people that have been shooting them? Are they happy with them? Yeah, we've been we've been getting great feedback. You know, we when we did this, we said, you know, okay, we gotta we gotta make the effort to prove that this is what we say it is. So um, we've really gone out there and got aggressive with uh, sponsoring and or just saying, hey, here's a barrel. I want you to go shoot this thing and, and tell me what you think of it in, in an honest review. We've done that with a lot of a lot of high end competition shooters. You know, uh, um, gentlemen and ladies who were you know winning circuits, winning matches. You know, we ended up going out there and we're able to create a relationship with Peyton Grimes. Um, she won the youth PRS world championship last year. And yeah, she's an amazing, amazing shooter. And, and we chambered her up a barrel and her father uh, to take a look at, to shoot it. And uh, I just actually got a text. His name's Wade from Wade Grimes here a couple of weeks ago and said, that's the nicest chamber she's ever had done for her. And, and so we've been pretty aggressive with going out there and trying to get honest feedback in the market and, and with some of these shooters and, and the results have been, very good for us and the feedback has been very positive so i I think we're gonna have something really good for us for the long term here right on um now with regards to the bear chambering is that obviously it's proprietary um is that something that you guys would market or is something you'll keep in-house and and just yeah no sorry sorry to cut you off there but yeah no it's something we'll keep completely in-house you know and that's where i've tried to find the best way to explain to people what it is without actually explaining what it is because it is proprietary um, and we've, we've decided to basically keep it as a trade secret. Um, so yeah, so it's proprietary. It's a trade secret. It'll stay in house and yeah, it'll only be, it'll only be for us and for our chamberings. Awesome. Um, how about, uh, let's segue over to, um, your snowflake, uh, muzzle brake. Talk a little bit about that and, uh, what's involved with that product. Yeah. So, so that's been a part that's been super successful for us. That's, you know, it's really a, a pretty simple part. I mean, it's a muzzle brake. It's a self-timing muzzle brake. There's only only so much that goes into that, but we, we did some uh, pretty in-depth testing. You know, we built a custom sled with a custom electronic sensor system on it. So, you know, we could screw those brake designs onto a barreled action, shoot them against the sensor, get readings, you know, uh, translate those into foot pounds per inch and see what kind of recoil reduction we were getting. And, and so we spent quite a bit of time on that. And, and it's, again, it's somewhat of a simple project, but, spent a lot of time on that break. You know, we're, we're number one on that break for recoil reduction. Um, there's a couple other, other breaks out there that are within one or 2% of us. And, and that's a great, you know, there's some other great products on the market, but from what I found and what I tested, um, you know, unless there's one I haven't tested yet, you know, we're number one on the market for recoil reduction. If we're not number one, if there's something out there, I don't know about, I know if we're within a percent or two of that, um, we, we got kind of tricky with our, uh, brake design on the back of our ports. So the way that gas flows and comes back and hits the back of the brake ports, it's, it's, uh, pushing that gas out at, at a 90 degree angle. So we've got really positive feedback on that for, you know, not, not causing muzzle blast to come back on the shooter or the spotter. Um, so very effective recoil reduction, uh, kind of a nice, nice design there on that muzzle blast situation when it comes to muzzle brakes. And then how we designed our attachment system is just a little more user friendly than everything else that's on the market. We actually machined a three eighths Allen wrench into the face of the brake. So normally when you are doing attachments to self-timing brakes, you're going to have to use two crescent, you know, crescent wrenches, something like that. It's just not something that can really be done in the field. It's bulky. 
got to have a bunch of tools. So with this, you know, I always carry a little, a little kit wherever I go for my rifle, you know, a little lightweight fix it sticks kit, something like that. So I, I always have a way to reattach that muzzle brake if we're ever to come loose or you need to take it off for a reason to get something out of your barrel, clean the barrel, clean your crown. Um, so our attachment system is, is much cleaner and easier to use and allows us to keep the brake lighter as well. And then uh, we also do offer it, speaking of weight, in, in stainless steel and titanium as well. Very cool. Just the, Well, I got you here on the brakes. Um, I just want to clarify something for I've read a bunch. I think I've got it straight. But my understanding is that if you go to the range, you've got a brake versus no brake. There is a change in trajectory that you are, you will you will change your impact point. Um, is that am I correct in that statement? So if you're if you're going to the range, and you're going to shoot with a brake um, in the field. Make sure you got the brake on when you're at the range. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So anytime you you change out anything on your barrel, and specifically anytime you you know attach something to the end of the barrel, it's going to change the barrel harmonics. Uh, you know, so if you were to film a, a, a rifle going off with a really high uh, really high slow motion uh, speed camera you would see that that barrel has movement to it, right? There's a lot of pressure going off in that chamber and it's going to give that barrel, a lot of people call it barrel whip. It's going to give that barrel some sort of movement and that movement in that barrel is going to create a certain harmonic wave. So anytime you change something to a barrel, especially hang a different amount of weight off the end of it is going to change the harmonics of that barrel, which is going to shift your point of impact. So usually if you switch to a different brake or say you go to a suppressor, or something like that. You usually don't see too much of a change in, in your low development. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's going to change your, you know, your hundred yard zero, your point of impact. So whatever you zero with and test with at the range is what you need to shoot in the field. Okay. And just, uh, what do you like for you for, from a hunting perspective, if you're out in the field, um, what do you do to protect your, your muzzle? Um, if you got a break on it, do you got, do you put something over top of it to, you know, if you're hunting in a, a tree scenario or, or in the bush or something like that, what, how do you manage that aspect of it? Yeah. So, I mean, you can still, you know, just like the old, the old way of just taking some, some electricians tape and, and putting it over the end of your barrel that still works just fine. Even with the muzzle break, you know, I'll put one piece over the top, kind of like you traditionally would with a barrel. I'll wrap a couple pieces around the ports of the muzzle brake. Um, you know, when, you know, long before that bullet gets there, you know, just from, from the pressure coming down that barrel, it, it's going to blow that tape off of there and not affect the shot. We've actually done quite a bit of extensive testing with that. Um, there's some, there's some muzzle cover devices made out there. Like uh, I think go hunt sells one and unknown munitions has one um, that are just like a little, you know, little rubber sleeve that rolls over there. And does the same thing without having to tape the barrel. So th those are your two options there. But yeah, that that pressure is going to blow blow any of that stuff out of there um, long before long before that bullet ever gets there and, and affects anything on your shot. So that that's what I do is one of those two things. Okay, perfect. I just wanted to make sure I've, I've been doing that. I just want to make sure I wasn't out to lunch. I, you know, you read enough on it, but uh, I, you know, talk to a professional. That's the best bet for for sure. So. Um, so, Paul, question for you about R&D. So, obviously, you guys invest heavily in it. Uh, you've come up with the bear system, you, you know, Snowflake um, and, and other stuff, too. How important is it? And, um, you know, uh, is is there a pretty big budget for that, for the work that you guys do in R&D to try and stay ahead and, and be, you know, at the pointy end of the, the uh, industry in terms of uh, research and development? 
Yeah, there is. Um, you know, R and D is, uh, man, it's almost, uh, it's almost like the bane of my existence, but it's also my favorite thing to do. Uh, you know, I, I love, you know, that, that's a big part of what I, what I do here outside of, you know, the paperwork or whatever that may be is, is I do a lot of, a lot of the design work and, and I love doing it. It's my, it's my favorite part of my job is, is to do the R and D work. I, I love the industry. I love the evolution of the industry and we're always trying to compete and stay ahead. So it's my favorite thing to do. It's also the biggest, you know, uh, time crunch and machine crunch. And yeah, there's, we spend a lot of money on it, honestly. You know, I mean, if we're going to R and D something, at least one of our CNC machines, if not, you know, two of them usually are, are going to have to go down from running any sort of production. Cause you know, it, it's pretty quick to take the design from concept to drawing to program. And now it's, you know, it's time to put it in the CNC machine and, and cut some, cut some chips, but you know, that's always where you see your big time, time suck is, is okay. This is the idea. You cut the first one and it's usually, usually not quite what, what the envision was and you're going to have to make quite a few changes. So yeah, we spend, we spend a lot of time and money on R and D, you know, we're, we're R and D pretty much all day long. You know, I've, I've got two machines over there that are R and D in a new magazine, the system right now. And, and that just puts a bind on you for trying to keep up with production and everything else. So it's, Again, it's it's probably my favorite thing to do, but it's it's also one of the hardest things to manage. So, uh, you know, we, we do have a 3D, you know, printing machine. We'll do some R&D on that before it goes into into the machine and actually gets cut out of metal. But, you know, there's only only so much you can do on the printer. So, yeah, we, we love R&D. We also hate R&D, but <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're almost never not R&D, uh, even when we're running at full production and, and none of the machines are physically cutting any R&D, we're talking about R&D, we're designing R&D, we're drawing R&D, we're you know, printing R&D, and, and we've got some pretty exciting products that are going to start to launch here later in 23 and into the first uh, you know first quarter, first month of 24. So yeah, we're, we're always spending money and time on R&D, and, and we're doing our best to stay ahead of the market and offer our customers the best product we can. Awesome. Okay, very cool. Okay, so um, I'm going to cap off our... Uh, I guess the talk on on the rifles itself, and we're going to segue here shortly to the uh, precision shooting course that you guys offer. But before we do that, uh, for the the sheep hunter, the average sheep hunter, um, so not competition, just a mount, and call it a mountain hunter. We'll call it a mountain hunter, but you know somebody that goes for sheep every year or aspires to. Um, you know, they might shoot some bears, they might shoot some mountain goats and other stuff too. Um, if you were setting yourself up and this is for you and you were thinking about a mountain hunting platform, what would you build yourself? So as far as one of our rifle models go, I'd build our Alpine Hunter. Uh, that is kind of our flagship rifle, you know, above and beyond our best selling rifle. I, I always tell everybody it's, it's our most versatile rifle. You know, it, it's got the vertical cheek piece or vertical grip, high cheek piece stock you know, flat foreign for attaching rails and stuff on it. It's something that's, that has all the features I want to see to what I would consider a, a true longer range rifle, but we still build it in a six and a half pound platform. So it's really our, our lightweight, but it's got all the right features and weight to handle the bigger magnums, make those really shootable, still be a lightweight platform, do everything with it. Uh, so that, that's my, our number one seller, my number one recommendation you know, unless I'm taking a gun to do some video or photos of or something like that, I'm always hunting with my Alpine hunters. Um, caliber wise, you know, I'd be really hard pressed not to tell not to tell them a, a 300 PRC. 
you know, there's there's great things about the 6.5 PRC, the 7 PRC, and obviously there's other calibers to be discussed. But the 300 PRC is is just a it's a great caliber. And if, and if a guy, you know, if somebody wants to build one rifle and do everything, you know, call it almost everything in the world, really, uh, you know, other than some certain dangerous game. But, you know, 300 PRC, you know, we shoot like the 205 to the 220 grain burgers out of it. Uh, a lot of times we load, you know, a solid copper load for somebody who might be dealing with bears or or something like that. So you've got a, a big bullet choice, um, whether it be a lead core base bullet or a copper bullet. Um, you know, great caliber, not super harsh on barrel life, not crazy on recoil for being a bigger 30 cal. You know, that Alpine Hunter and that 300, PR, 300 PRC just, just really fit well together for somebody who wants to do everything with it and, and still be light and take on mountain hunts. Awesome. Okay. I guess I'm going to have to spend some money. <laughs> uh, uh, very cool. Uh, yeah, and great to hear. You know, I, I've been eyeing up that 300 PRC too. I've been uh, uh, pretty excited about it and, and following it lately. So it's uh, very cool that you would mention that. Um, well, and I, I try to, I try to tell everybody, like, I know, I know you want to save weight. I know you do. So do I, so does every mountain hunter that thinks about weight, but I, I try to t- encourage people to, you know, if you're, if you're arguing with yourself over caliber or rifle design over a pound or a pound and a half, lose the pound somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, it, what you're going to, what you're going to, you know, spend all this time, spend all this money, all this effort is to go and be successful on these hunts, right? We love being out there and just experiencing it, but it, you know, at least for me, you know, I, I never think a, an unsuccessful hunt is a wasted hunt. I love being out there, but we all want to be successful. So when it, when it comes down to that situation, and it's time to take that shot, you know, have the gear in the right gear to be confident. And if that means adding a pound or a pound and a half to get a little bit more shootable rifle, you know, a little heavier duty scope, you know, things like that. I always tell them sacrifice that weight somewhere else. Don't sacrifice it in, in what you're taking to, you know, complete, complete at the end of this whole, all this effort, all this money, all this time. And now we can't make the shot because we sacrificed on our gear for weight. Yeah, awesome. Really good advice. And I like the heavier caliber too cuz if you're out there in bear country, you've got that confidence, right, as opposed to lighter caliber. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um let's talk about um your precision rifle hunter course or anything uh I know you guys offer kind of a lineup of uh precision shooting now. So let's talk a little bit about it. Um what's involved uh anyone that wants to be part of the Long Range Academy, what do they need to do and and what you guys offer? Yeah, um, Long Range Academy. That's probably my my second favorite thing outside of just R and D work and, and coming up with new products that we do here that we've created that we offer. I, I love teaching the course. I love help putting it together. I love what we've been able to create here in that. You know, this is our this is our second full year offering the course and our and our third year doing it. You know, so three and a half years ago, I I've been talking about doing this for a long time and. And I was lucky to able to able to finally get the right property secured for it. And, uh, you know, then you're kind of in that world of, okay, how do we, how do we start a long range shooting school? That's, you know, uh, we wanted it to be the best school in the country. We wanted to, you know, not just guy, you know, I didn't want it to be what I'd call a feel good school. You know, I think there's a lot of classes out there where you go and you shoot and, you know, they kind of hold your hand and walk you through the whole thing. And, and you walk away from the class with not a lot of knowledge and, you know, you hit a bunch of two by two foot plates and it's just, you know, I, I wanted it to be a, a, a real in-depth look of how to do this long range shooting properly, you know, how to understand ballistics, 
uh, enter ballistics, manipulate ballistics, you know, guns, calibers, scopes, how to fix problems, how to adjust scopes, how to manipulate things properly when we have a problem, you know, adjust for atmospheric conditions, read wind. And then after all that, there's obviously the shooting aspect of a proper position, trigger control, recoil management, you know, all these different positions we teach, whether it's prone, sitting, kneeling, standing on a tripod. And, and so, you know, now rolling into mid-year of our third year of this shooting school, we, I just, I think we have a fantastic class and we have an amazing property we get to teach it on. You know, we have several different levels of the class to offer to people. And, and even the level one class is, is pretty in-depth, even for the guy or the, you know, the shooter who's done a lot of it. And uh, yeah, no, we, we love teaching. It's one of my favorite things to do here. So, we, you know, like I said, uh, yeah, we've got several different levels, several different options. You know, it's, it's nice. We do offer, you know, the full rifle package for you. So, you know, all you got to do is show up with, with appropriate clothing and, and uh, be ready to go. And, you know, we, we give you a, a full rifle package, rifle, scope rings, bubble level, ammo. You know, we've got demo kestrels, demo scopes, demo spot, you know, all the stuff that we offer and use. We've got them to look at look at for you here to demo them to use them you know show you all the gear we use obviously we use all that gear in the teaching of the school so yeah i I think it's a i think you know our program is a great program and what we put on we've worked really hard on that but just on the side of shooting schools i think it's really important and everybody should come take one who who wants to get into this even if you're kind of an amateur or you know intermediate shooter and you've done this a lot and kind of self-taught yourself or whatever that may look look like, but, you know, coming to a qualified shooting school, whether it's mine or, you know, some of the other great schools around the country is you're going to get a lot more than you may think you even get out of it. And, and it's, uh, you know, this, this, you know, this, we've talked about this in, in this hour, we've been sitting here now or however long it's been in this, this evolution of, of all these gun builders and all these parts and ballistic evolutions and parts evolutions and all this, all this stuff, uh, ballistics calculators, you know, the advancements of scopes and, and turret systems and how we can dial to our yardages now is, is all wonderful stuff, but we got to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really a set core group of principles on how to use all that stuff, proper shooting position, all those things, they're going to make us successful. And, 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 you know, I was in this boat myself eight to 10 years ago before I was heavily invested in, in an owner in this company where, I had some of these great parts, but I, you know, and I could, I could shoot three, four or 500 yards and I was somewhat confident in it. But, you know, so I, I think the, the schools have been a great, a great addition to us and, and our customers have really enjoyed them. They walk away from these classes feeling like they understand all of that stuff, knowing how to use it and, and actually use this, this entire weapon system properly. So I, I think it's been a, a great thing to be able to offer to our clients. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I just think it's something I would highly, highly recommend is going to a good qualified shooting school. Awesome. Okay. So with your program, um, obviously everyone's going to benefit it, whether they own a snowy mountain rifle or not clearly. Right. Um, so you don't need to be a, a gun owner to, to participate. Is that correct? No, you do not need to be a snowy mountain owner to participate. I mean, we probably, you know, we get more, uh, non snowy mountain owners than, than we get snowy mountain owners at the moment. And, you know, if you're thinking about being a snowy mountain owner or investing in a higher end rifle, it's a great way to come out and shoot and hold some different, different rifles. And, and, uh, you know, whether you're going to purchase one or not, you know, you got a rifle at home, you're going to be able to go back home and implement those skills in, into your setup at home. So 
No, absolutely not. You know, whether you're a snowy mountain owner, as, as far as the rifles go or not, uh, we'd love to have you at the class. Cool. And uh, what's the price point on your, uh, I guess, your introductory or fundamental course? Yeah, so for 2022, the, the price point for the class, it's a three-day class. Um, like I said, we offer, you know, the full package. All you got to do is, you know, we, we don't have any lodging on site, so you'll have to find lodging, travel, and then outside of that, just just bring your, you know, your clothing and your gear. But we're going to provide you with full rifle package, with ammo, with a Kestrel, you know, with, with lots of things to use and, and shoot for that class. So you really just got to show up. But yeah, our, our price point for 2024 is going to be $2,500 for the three-day class, uh, $2,500 U.S., and then if you know if you book multiple classes, we offer some discounts and, and things like that, or you know we have some corporate group rates. But yeah, the the uh, the rate for twenty twenty four is going to be twenty five hundred dollars. Okay, right on. And um, how what kind of range are you shooting out to? You get it at, when you're on that program. What, what when you're doing the fundamentals or the basic? Uh, how far would you end up shooting at the end of the end of the three days? Yeah, so a little overview on fundamentals. You know, we kind of start first day, half half day classroom time. Then we go out to the field. We do all our zero work. Um, there's really a lot that goes into that without diving too deep into those weeds. And the next two days, we're going to be shooting all day long. And so we're going to, where we shoot from for our level one, what we call our fundamentals class, is we have a target from, we have targets from 300 yards to 1,200 yards. And we're really going to focus on that five you know, to a thousand, eleven hundred yard range. And, you know, there's depending on what drills we're having you run or what we're teaching you, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to work you at different distances in there, but we're really going to focus on that five to eleven hundred yard range. Um, at the end of every, at the end of level one, we go up and we shoot at the mile target. So that's always, that's always really fun for guys to do and, and accomplish and, and be able to say, you know, they were able to shoot out to a mile, but our, our focus, our focused, uh, range of, of teaching is going to be 500 to 1100 and then again we're going to teach prone we're going to teach uh, prone off bipod prone off backpack uh, we're going to teach sitting and kneeling standing off tripod with lots of different supports and continue to work through that range the entire time with all those different shooting platforms right on and how many rounds is a guy gonna touch off over the three days roughly during the program so we're usually shooting about 200 rounds over those three days. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So that's really affordable when you start factoring in your ammo costs and stuff like that. It's, it's a re- re- really reasonable cost for sure. So, yeah, we try to stay reasonable. And, and like you said, I mean, you know, with us, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we have guys shooting 300 to $400 worth of ammo every class. And, you know, the reason, the reason we, we, we took that side of it on rather than asking people to bring their own guns is just, simply because we want to make sure we're spending our time teaching. So we know these guns that we're putting in your hands are a hundred percent dialed, you know, the ammo's done correctly and we don't got to fight any, any problems with a scope or with a gun. You know, we've checked all that out beforehand and we're going to give you a platform that's going to be able to make you successful in the class and spend our time teaching, not, not fighting any components. Well, it's a great marketing program too, right? It's uh, people get the, their hands on your rifle and see how great they are that, you know, it's uh, pretty easy to make that sale after three days too. Right. So, yeah, it, it is a great marketing program for us. And, and it also, if you're, you know, if you, if you're somebody that's thinking about investing into a higher end rifle or, a, you know, becoming a snowy mountain owner, then uh, it allows you to come out and shoot some different stock designs, shoot some different calibers. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of shooters want to come out and take the class and then decide what they want to do at that point. Right on. 
Awesome, Paul. Um, what else? Uh, what else do we have to talk about in terms of products, um, programs, anything else? What are we missing? Well, I, I don't think so. You know, our new bear system and our long range academy, you know, are, are two of the biggest things for us right now that we've been able to accomplish and are, are running really effectively. You know, I mean, uh, we're really looking forward. We're adding a lot more days options for the long range academy. Uh, next year, you know, we, we moved our level two course for the long range academy to a different spot on the property this year. And it's a, it's a really, really unique, uh, level two fundamentals class. We're now, now offering, um, we're, we're teaching it up on this big open ridge where we got a big Canyon to shoot into uphill, downhill, you know, lots of crosswind stuff, lots of angle stuff we're shooting off. We just kind of take, take those fundamentals of the level one fundamentals class and, and really put them to work in the level two class. So that's been an exciting move for us. We redid all the steel and, and hung all the new targets and everything up there this spring, which was quite the project. Uh, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing as far as products go is, you know, I just, there's a few things I, I'm not going to, not going to say too much about yet. That'll be launching here in the next three to six months. So I, I think, you know, anybody that wants to see that stuff, just kind of follow along with us and, and watch for that new R and D new products coming out. But uh, yeah, I think that kind of covered most of that. Cool. Well, I was going to talk about your sheep hunts and uh, we've eaten up uh, an hour already going into this stuff. So I think I'm going to save this. And if you'd be so kind to come back on the show, we can get you back here in a few months. I'd love to talk about uh, your Idaho experience and your Montana experience and and sheep hunting. But I think uh, we've got lots of content here for our listeners. I think uh, if you're cool with that, we'll, we'll have you back on the show at a later date. Yeah, I'd love to be back on. Been been very fortunate and blessed to have those two tags and I've been very fortunate. I drew a doll sheep tag in the Chugach this year for Alaska. So, oh, right on. Okay, what? What do you? When's that trip? When are you going on that? Uh, flying up there August sixth. Okay, let's let's try and uh, touch base in July. I, I got a doll sheep hunt this fall too. So let's uh, oh, right. let's do a July chat, and we'll uh, we'll talk about what's going on with with your, your doll sheep hunt for the Chugach plus all your other hunts sheep hunts. So there's lots to talk about there. So let's have you back on the show for that. Great. We'll be back in July. Cool. Okay. So before we let you go for our customers or for our listeners, how do they get involved? How can they get uh, uh, sign up for the course? Where do they go to buy a rifle? Yeah. So of course, you know, we have our website, just snowymountainrifles.com. Uh, you know, most of the rifles information, we just actually launched a new page for the long range Academy. So lots of great information there. Um, you know, that's been one of our big projects over the last three, four months is we're really starting to get the get the website updated. You know, it kind of went by the wayside for a lot of years of being behind on our manufacturing. So uh, I'd say about 85% of the correct and and up-to-date information is on our website for everything. But of course, you know, I'm always available for a phone call. Uh, You got any detailed questions about calibers, builds, the school, anything else I can help you with. Just, just give me a phone call or shoot me an email. I'm always available to help. Awesome, Paul. Well, thank you so much. Uh, You've been a wealth of information here. I'm I'm not an experienced, uh, shooter certain certainly uh learned a lot on the on our chat today and uh i know there's a lot more that i can take into so look forward to having you back in july and, and chatting about your hunts and we'll probably talk, touch more on uh on some more of your shooting systems yeah i appreciate it i look forward to july and thanks for having me on appreciate it